You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today we are uh, continuing in a series. We're in part two of a series that's called Prevailing Prayer. Prevailing Prayer. And I actually got the title for this series from uh, an old book that my father-in-law gave me, or he let me borrow. He made it clear. Now you got to give this back when you're done with it. So I got to make that clear. I'm borrowing this from him. But it's it's a book that was written and published in the, in the early 1950s, and it's called Prevailing Prayer. And it's by a, a pastor named T.M. Anderson, who honestly I have I've never heard of before until this, but uh, I'm not gaining uh, or taking a lot of content necessarily from this book, but it's been cool to look back in history and to see this pastor's perspective on prayer and his journey for getting a fresh fresh revelation for prayer, and it's been incredibly powerful, and it was just such a great reminder to me that there are some things that have happened in church history that are good things. There are things that have happened in history, in church history, that are things that we still need today. Uh, I think sometimes, uh, especially being a a younger uh, pastor, it can be easy to look for the new thing or for the cool thing. But honestly, as I've been in this role more and more, I'm realizing there's a lot that we need from the generations that are above us, from the generations that are a little bit older than us. There are things, and that's biblical for our churches, that there are things that the body of Christ needs from young believers, but from the mature believers. I won't say the old believers, right? now, the mature ones, right? The wisdom that comes from maturity. That's what we need. And so, man, it's been so refreshing to go along those lines. As I've been uh, working out the past few weeks, I, I ran into this older gentleman. He's 86 years old. And um, I was wearing my Abide shirt uh, one time when I was working out and uh, just trying to be a walking billboard. You know what I mean? It keeps me uh, friendly to people. You know, I got you know, to represent well. So I, um, I was working out and he called me over. He was on a, a workout machine and he was asking me about the church and I got to know him a little bit. He's 86 years old. And he uh, is a retired pastor from California. He has uh, 60 years of ministry experience. And so obviously I was like, you know what, cardio can wait today. I'm going to lean into this conversation a little bit. And I just got to know him. And uh, man, he's been such a blessing to me. I've talked to him several times since then. The, uh, on Friday we were talking. He was asking me what we were going to be talking about this weekend. And he, we were talking about prayer. And he made this quote, and I want to put this quote up here. Uh, this is from Pastor Bill, and he said this. Uh, I'll just read it from down here. He said, you can do nothing until you've prayed. And after you prayed, you better get quiet and do everything God's told you to do. And I thought, man, that's so simple, but that is so profound. Uh, I, 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 we, we had a great conversation for five or ten minutes, but I love that when, when he said this, it seems like, well, that's not necessarily true, but this is the words of Jesus is all this is. What did Jesus say? He said, without me, you can do nothing. It doesn't mean that you sit at home on your couch all day and you can't do anything if you're not a Christian. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, without me, you can do nothing of significance, nothing that will bring fulfillment, nothing that will make an impact in the kingdom. And that's what Pastor Bill is saying here. You can do nothing until you've prayed. Prayer is such, and I love the the follow-up. It's not just prayer and, well, I hope God does what God's going to do, right? No, that's not where he leaves it. After you prayed, you better get quiet and do everything God's told you to do. Do it all. Make sure you walk in obedience. So it's so good. Um, but anyway, it was another great reminder. Um, there are, there are uh, mature believers that in our churches in today's world that we need you 
And so if you're in here and you'd say, man, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm older. I feel like I'm on my way out. Can I remind you and just tell you, hey, you are welcome here to buy church. Okay, this isn't a place that's just for young people. This is a place for all generations because the body of Christ needs all generations. Amen. All right, so today here's what we're going to do. This is part two. We're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer today, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, in, inside the Lord's Prayer, whether you grew up in church or whether uh, you played sports or you've just watched movies, you probably have heard the Lord's Prayer before. In fact, we're going to read it here. Um, Jesus gave us this model prayer. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6. If you brought your Bible, you can turn to Matthew 6. We'll be there the whole day. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Here's what Jesus says. He says, in this manner, therefore pray, or other translations say, pray like this. Here's how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, it didn't take everything in you to not say that along with me, right? As I was reading it, right? Like, I'm sure there's just something in you that's like, I want to say that as well. And here's the thing. This prayer, I think oftentimes our approach to it falls into two extremes. The first one is this. We just say this prayer, or we were taught to say this prayer word for word because it's the words of Jesus, and that's how we're supposed to pray it, just like this. And you just say it, and you should be saying it every day. And we get very religious with it on one side of it. That's one extreme. And the other extreme is, well, well, I'm non-denominational, right? And I don't want to be too religious. And to just say that prayer word for word is very religious. And that's not what really Jesus meant when he gave us the Lord's Prayer. I feel like there's two extremes. Today, my goal is that we would find the middle ground. Because the words of Jesus are powerful. You can never go wrong with praying the words of Jesus. However, We don't say the words of Jesus in vain repetitions. In fact, right before Jesus gives the the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, in verse 7, he says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. But isn't that what we do with the Lord's Prayer? Right? Well, we're just going to say it. If you've watched any sports movie, you know what I'm talking about, right? You see a bunch of football players, they get together before their football game. They say the Lord's Prayer, but for the rest of the movie and before that, that part in the movie, they are living a lifestyle that does not align with Jesus or his word or his prayer. What are they doing? They're saying it as a vain repetition. That's not what we're called to do. And so here's what I want to do. Today, I believe that God's given me four themes in the Lord's Prayer. Four themes. Here's what those themes are for. The themes that we pull out today are for your prayers every day. You should have these four themes in your daily prayers every single day. All right, so let's dive into it. The first one is this, family. The first one is family, the first theme. So we're going to break down the Lord's Prayer here, and I'm going to do it pretty quickly. I'm going to throw a lot of content at you, so take good notes, and you might have to watch this back on YouTube or listen to it on our podcast this week. Matthew 6, 9, let's go back to it. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Jesus opens the prayer and, and shows us that we need to approach God with our relationship in mind. We must approach God with our relationship in mind. And here's why that's, that's crucial. Your view of God will determine your relationship with God. Your view of God will determine your relationship with God. Another way of saying it is this. However you see him is how you're going to treat him. 
And the word that Jesus used here in the original language is Abba. It wasn't a very formal thing. This is my dad sitting on the first row, and I don't call him, uh, you heard me just say it then. This is, I didn't say, this is my father on the first row. That's not how I, I talk to him. Abba, in the original language, would better be translated dad. That's my dad. And this is what Jesus is saying. And so when Jesus said, pray like this, and he called the living God dad, it was significant. Everyone in the room leaned in. Everyone in the room either leaned in and thought, that's amazing, or they leaned back and they thought, that's very offensive. There was two extremes. But he said, pray with the relationship that you have with your heavenly Father, your heavenly dad. Now, I, I, when I pray, I still say father when I, when I talk to God, but it's interesting to know the original. But going back to how you view God is, is how you're going to treat God. Some people view God based on their relationship through their earthly dad. So they view God as maybe judgmental, that he's up in heaven, arms crossed, waiting for you to mess up so he can slap you over the head or strike you down with a lightning bolt and put you back on the right path. And that's not the God that we see based off our relationship through Jesus Christ. The other, by the way, maybe you see him as a faceless being. Well, he's just off somewhere far away in heaven, and I can't really see his face. I can't really picture him, but he's just kind of there in a smoky white light, and I don't really know him. Uh, another way of, of viewing, when you hear that word father, that name father, maybe uh, Hollywood has screwed that up for you, right? Maybe when you hear that, that name father, do you think of this guy right here, right? <laughs> it's my son Gavin's birthday, so I had to work in Star Wars somewhere. Um, maybe you think of a, a masked person who has a lightsaber that wants to cut your arm off if you don't join him on his side of things, right? That's not God. That's not God. This is, this is not the proper representation of God. He's not your earthly father. He doesn't make mistakes. He loves you dearly. He loves you dearly. That's why in 1 John 3, 1, it says this, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children, and that is what we are. When I approach God in prayer, I am approaching Him knowing that He loves me more than I can ever understand, even though I'm approaching him probably with my mess and my mistakes and my screw-ups and my past and all the times that I've turned my back on him. I'm approaching him with a lot of stuff, but he loves me in, in, despite and in spite of all of that stuff. He loves me. That's how I must approach him. I need to have confidence in my relationship with him. The second thing, though, that Jesus shows us in the beginning of this prayer is he prays, hallowed be your name. God's name is holy. And we have gotten away from the holiness of God's name. We have, we have steered away from it. We have overlooked it. We hear words like, hallowed be your name. And we're like, I don't know what that means. And so we just don't look into it. But it is the way God views his name and his word. When you understand God's, God's perspective on his name and his word, you will pray with more emphasis on the name of God. Let me show you what I mean. In Ezekiel 36, the children of Israel, or Israel, the, the nation, has gone on one of their, their screw-ups again. Okay? They have drifted from God. They've been forced out of their land because they have drifted from God and not served God diligently. But look at God's response to them. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but let's look at a few verses. Ezekiel 36, verse 21. It's, this is God talking. He says, Then I was concerned for my holy name on which my people brought shame 
among the nations. Therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. I am bringing you back, not because you deserve it. No, I am doing it to protect my holy name, on which you brought great shame while you were scattered among the nations. I will show how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. God treats his own name with extremely high value extremely high value. His name reveals his character, it reveals his will, and it reveals his reputation. So how his kids carry his name is significant. If he's ever going to reach the world that he sent his son to die for, his children must represent his name well in everything that they do. And look at what he says. He said, I'm bringing you back not because you deserve it. No, because there is so much riding on my name, my name, my holy name. So here's a great question for us. It's the same in the modern world. How will the nations know that God, our God, is the living God when his people keep his name holy? When his people truly keep his name holy and they believe in the power of his name. That, that phrase, hallowed be your name, it can be translated this, may it be made holy. May it be made holy, your name. Hallowed be your name. May it be made holy. So when I pray, here's a great example of how I pray. I pray like this. Lord, show me how holy your great name is. Lord, reveal your great name to me today. Lord, demonstrate your holy name to me. Lord, show me the power of your name today on the job site, in the classroom, while I'm doing dishes today, whatever you're doing. Lord, show me the power of your name. That's God's desire for us is that we wouldn't just know his name, we would experience his names. We would experience his names. God's name is not capital G-O-D. That's how we refer to him. But his names in the Bible reveal who he is. And in revealing who he is, he says, I want you to experience who I am. Not just know. Well, I know God has a bunch of names in the Bible. No, he, want, he wants you to experience those names personally. And here's a few of those names. Elohim means mighty and strong. El Shaddai means God Almighty. Yahweh means Lord. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. All of those, and there's, there's plenty more. Just do a study on the names of God. All of those, God's desire as your heavenly father. He says, I want you to experience peace, healing, my mighty power. I want to be your shepherd and guide you through tough situations. That's his desire. So when Jesus says, hallowed be your name, he's showing reverence to the name of God. But he's also saying, Lord, reveal how mighty your name is in our lives. I need to pray daily that God's name would be made known in my life. So the first theme that I should see in my daily prayers is family. How do I approach God's name? How do, I, how do I approach my prayers in relationship to him? He is my heavenly dad. He's my father. Number two is this, faith. Theme number two is faith. This one seems obvious, but let's, let's dive into it. <clears throat> faith. Let's go to, back to our, our key text, Matthew 6, verse 10. 
Jesus says, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's why Jesus says this, and here's why we're saying this is faith, is because it takes faith to pray for God's will to be done over your own. It takes faith to pray that God's will be done over your own. Faith to trust his perspective. God, I trust that your ways are higher. Your, your thoughts are greater. You see more than I could ever see. You know the end from the beginning. You know tomorrow before I ever get there. I trust your will. I trust your will for my life over my own. But here's what's happened. The enemy has tricked us into thinking that God's will for our lives is hard, that it's tough, and that it's miserable, right? Well, if you pray for God's will, you're just going to be suffering for Jesus. Ever heard that before? Suffering for Jesus, y'all. Like this, uh, That's what it is. So yeah, we should pray for God's will, but if you pray for God's will, you better buckle up because you don't know what you're going to get. Can I set you free today? That's not, that's not God's desire for how you pray. That's not God's desire. That's exactly what the enemy did with Adam and Eve. He said, God said that to you? Don't eat from this? He didn't know what he's talking about. He's just trying to keep your life down here. He's just a prude who wants to keep you from having fun and enjoying life. And what did Adam and Eve do? Fell right into it. Let's learn some lessons from this book and realize that God's will is perfect and pleasing. But hear me in this. That does not mean it's comfortable or that it's easy always on me. It's perfect and pleasing, but that does not mean that it's comfortable and easy on me. Here's a great example. Have you ever been in a relationship, maybe in high school or something like that, you were dating someone, and you said you, were, you prayed, Lord, help me marry that person. Lord, I want to be with them the rest of my life. Help me help grow our relationship, Lord. I pray that you'd make a way for us to be husband and wife. Only for a few weeks to go by or months to go by and you break up. You go your separate ways. About five years later, you look back and you find out you touch base with them or you see something on, online or something and what they're doing with their life. And you think to yourself, thank God he did not answer that prayer for my will over his will. Because the person maybe that you're married to now is far better beyond supporting you, walking with you, going in the right direction. If you've been in that situation, I'm saying that from conviction because I've been there, right? I look back, I'm like, Lord, thank you. My life would be miserable if you would have answered my will over your will. Because my wife today is, is, is by far, by far greater than anybody that I dated or was in relationship with in the past. We have to have faith to trust his perspective and his timing and his will over our own. Pray for his will first, my will second. It doesn't mean you can't pray for specific things, but I do submit to his will. Lord, I'm praying for this, but I'm asking that your will be done. Lord, I'm praying for this, but most importantly, will your will be done in my life? Pray for his agenda first. My agenda, second. And here's the good news. Well, we don't know the will of God. The will of God's a mystery. We just kind of have to hope. That's not, that's not accurate. The good news is this. God's will is not a mystery. God's will is his word. So there's two, there's two wills. God's general will is his word. His specific will for your life is his voice. I will, so 
Lord, am I supposed to take this job or not? That's specific. You're not going to find, well, yeah, it says be, a, in, be an electrician in 2023. That's not going to be in here, okay? That's specific for your life. But you will never hear the voice of God for the specific will of your life if you don't know the general will of God. Everyone wants to know God's specific will for their life without doing the work to know his general will. And that's not how it works. You have to know the general will of God. You'll never know God's will for your life if, it's not, if you're not actively reading, meditating on, and memorizing Scripture. Our God is a good Father, and he says, if you'll pray my will, I will show up in your life. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So God didn't say, well, if you pray my will, I'll do it, but I'm not going to tell you my will. No. God's not like that. He's a good, perfect, heavenly father. And he says, if you pray my will, right here, I will honor my word. And you will see me honor my word time and time again in your life. So I need to pray for God's will to be done not just my own. And here's the good news. According to 1 John 5, our prayers are effective when we pray for his will to be done. Do I want my prayers to be answered? I pray for his will. He shows us that this, this, that this is what happens. Jesus said, pray like this, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus paid a price so that you can experience God's kingdom and his will in your life today as it is in heaven. So let me take that a step further. Well, how do I know what God's will is for this situation? How do I know if, if, if this is God or if it's not? Does it bring life? This is a book of life. Does it bring life? It's God's will. Does it align with this? It's God's will. Take it a step further. If what I'm facing, if I don't see it in here talked about being in heaven someday, then it's not God's will. Okay, so here's a few examples. Is there cancer in heaven? No. No. Death in heaven? No. Racism, addiction, murder, sickness of any kind? No. So how do I know what to pray? God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my life as it is in heaven. He's literally invited us to pray to experience heaven, which is what? It's his it's this presence, heaven, here today, on earth, in this messed up world, as it is up there. So if I get, ever get confused, and I'm, well, I don't know if I can pray with confidence if it's God's will or not, get in here, find out what he's done in here. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you're going to get some confidence on what God's will is. And according to 1 John 5, if I pray in agreement with his will, he says, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to rock your world, and I'm going to show you how good I am. Hear me in this, though. Let me stop here. This is not in my notes. You may have prayed for something in your life that is God's will, and you know it's God's will because you see it in his word, but you didn't see the fruit of it. A great example is this. I've prayed for several people to live, and, I, and they have passed away. But at the end of the day, and this is a, a, a message for a different time, but at the end of the day, I always have to put my faith not in my life experiences, but in the word of God. And that takes faith. Well, we prayed, and that person still died. We were praying for life. It must have been God's will. 
that was a life experience. And do I have every answer why that situation happened? No, I don't. And I wish I did because I've faced it too many times to, to, to be okay with not knowing. I, I, I sometimes struggle with the why. But all I know is this. No matter what, I will trust this word, this living book above anything that I experience in my life. No matter how good or bad it is, this is, where, this is my foundation. Always, forever, this word above any word. Amen? This is the only thing that will give you peace. Let's continue here in Matthew 6, 11. He says, give us this day our daily bread. He's showing us to walk by faith, not by sight. He's saying, ask God for help, for his involvement, for his influence in every area of your life. Especially, hear me in this, especially the areas you think you can handle yourself. Here's, here's, the, here's a good question. When's the last time you prayed for God's help and involvement in your work or your job that you're really good at? I got this. I don't, I, you know, this isn't stressing me out. I do this every day. That's the perfect time to invite God into it. My daily bread. Why? Because if I take matters into my own hand and I think I'm good and I got it and I don't need God for this because I've done this for, you know, 10 years in a row every single day, I'm good. What is that? Pride starts to creep in. That's just an open door for pride in my life. Don't let pride creep in. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, feed me spiritually, strengthen me spiritually, sustain me spiritually today, today, Lord. Romans 1.17 says this, the man who finds life will find it through trusting God. How do I find life, life abundantly? It's through trusting God. And I would say this, if we only prayed our will every day, we would pray prayers that are way too small. God has more for you, and he has bigger for you, and he has more fulfilling things for you. That's why he says pray for his will and not yours. Your will is way too small compared to his will. He's got greater. Number three is this, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Theme number three, forgiveness. Y'all still with me? Throwing a lot at you here. Here we go. Matthew 6, verse 12. He says, pray like this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Meaning this, I need to constantly be asking the Holy Spirit to help me live in the forgiveness of God and to live free from sin. I need to constantly be asking for God, Lord, help me walk in your forgiveness. Have you ever messed up? Uh, We all have. (laughs) That's a silly question. Have you ever messed up? Have you ever done something wrong and you really felt guilty about it? And the next time you went to God in prayer, it it just hung on you. You know you've asked for forgiveness. You know you've made it right, but you still had this weight on you of guilt and of condemnation of what you've done in the past, and you just can't get past it. It almost keeps you from praying for a long time because you feel guilty being in the presence of God. This is what we're talking about here. Look, Lord, help me walk in your forgiveness that you've paid for. I've asked for forgiveness. I've confessed it, and I've made it right. If I feel that coming on me again, I say, Lord, help me walk in your forgiveness. I know you've forgiven me. I know that that you've made things right between you and me. And if I stumble and I sin, what do I do? I run to the Father. I don't run from him. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, if we do, he is faithful, and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, help me walk in that. Forgive me for what I've done. But then it's not just receiving forgiveness, it's receiving and giving forgiveness. And this is the part we overlook. But this should be a daily prayer. Help me walk in your forgiveness and Lord, soften my heart for other people that I need to forgive. 
Because here's the problem with unforgiveness and with bitterness in your life. Bitterness and an unforgiving heart, it is poison that slowly ruins your life. And guess what? It has no effect on the person that's wronged you. You can be mad and bitter and upset at somebody for years, and they not even know it. But what has it done, done for you? It's taken your sleep. It's taken your peace. It's taken your health because it's stressing you out so much. Bitterness is a, is a root that will cause not just physical or not just spiritual illness and spiritual disease, but it will creep into your physical body as well. Studies have shown what bitterness and unforgiving and stress will do. What's, Jesus said every day, pray like this, Lord, help me forgive others. Show me who I have not forgiven so that I can forgive them. Here's why this is important. After the Lord's Prayer, a few verses later, Matthew 6, verse 14, it says this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is one of those verses that's not hung up on, in the house, right? But how important is forgiveness? Vital. Do I expect to be forgiven when I haven't first forgiven others? It's what Jesus said, freely you've received, now freely give. You didn't deserve the forgiveness that Jesus gave you. There's going to be people in your life that don't deserve your forgiveness. But hear me in this. I always try to put a little asterisk right here. Here's a reminder. Forgiveness does not mean access. If you have someone in your life who has caused you trauma, if you have someone in your life who's abused you, if you have someone in your life who has abused your kids, who has caused harm on you, you can forgive them. But guess what? That doesn't mean they get to come over for Christmas. That doesn't mean they get to hang out with my kids. That doesn't mean that I have to go have lunch with them when they ask me. No, I will forgive you so I can be free and we can go our separate ways. And that is the most forgiving and loving thing that I can do. Why? Because now I can love you from a distance because I can't love you when we're close. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Forgiveness does not mean access. You, you have a mandate to protect yourself and to protect your family. Don't let a wolf into your house. If they've caused abuse, harm to you, you can forgive them and not give them access to you. Number four is freedom. As I wrap up, theme number four. So we see family, faith, forgiveness, and freedom. This doesn't happen to me very often where all my points start with the same letter. So I was pretty pumped when this came together. I was like, yeah, come on, Holy Spirit. That's good stuff. Help me remember it. <laughs> faith, or family, faith, forgiveness, and freedom. Here's how Jesus ends the prayer, Matthew 6, 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus says, pray for freedom from temptation and freedom from sin. God doesn't lead us into temptation, but we pray that he keeps us from tempting situations and that he will show us a path to freedom. This is what scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The ten, he says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Every temptation that you face, every tempting situation, there's always a way out. Whether you see it or realize it or not, or whether your own flesh wants to overlook it and keep walking forward, there's always a way out.
God's, he's, he is faithful. He will, not he might, not hopefully he will, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So when we pray, Lord, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, today, help me walk in freedom. Help me walk in freedom from sin. Keep me from stumbling. Keep me from those situations. Lord, help me walk in freedom from temptation. Keep me from situations that would even cause me to take a step down a way that I might sin or stumble into something. Lord, just walk with me today. Help me walk in freedom today. And then he takes it a step further. Walk in freedom from the evil one, from your enemy. I need to ask the Holy Spirit to give me boldness and power to resist the devil. And if you missed last week's message, go back and watch it on YouTube, watch it on, or listen to it on our podcast because I lay a foundation for this, that you have authority based on what Jesus has done for you. You are seated in heavenly places with Christ to do work on his behalf into and against the, 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 the spirit of darkness or the kingdom of darkness. You have authority, but we have to ask for that help. I have to re be reminded of it. James 4, 7 says this, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We like the resist the devil part, but before that it says humble yourselves. James 4, 7 is an example of the flow of the Lord's prayer. Where did Jesus start? My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is that? He's humbling himself. Your name is great. And that's how we approach God. Your name is great. You are high. You are worthy. You are great. I'm humbling myself. And then I can pray that God's will would be done. This is what James 4, 7 is modeling for us. Humble yourself, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. God's desire is that you would leave, live free from sin and from the enemy. But Jesus shows us that we need to be in daily prayer for that freedom. Here's what's awesome about the Lord's Prayer. I don't just say it to say that I've said it. I don't say it to make myself feel good because I said the Lord's Prayer today. I don't just stay clear of it because that's too religious. I don't do that. No, there's a middle ground that we can walk in. I can pray the Lord's Prayer word for word, just how Jesus prayed it. And if I pray it with a humble heart, I'm speaking the words of Jesus and the words of Jesus don't return void. It will work in my life. But I can also take the Lord's Prayer and I can see the themes that I can make, put in my personal prayers every day. And in doing so, I'm still aligning myself with God's word and in the example of Jesus and as his follower, I can now do what he's asked me to do. Jesus gives us this model, not as a formula for repetition, uh, uh, repetition, but for an outline for expansion. When we pray like Jesus, hear me in this, we can expect to see the results that Jesus had. Because I'm so great? Absolutely not. Because I've humbled myself and submitted under his kingdom. This is what Jesus said in John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. What's he saying? I'm gonna to go to heaven. I'm gonna be seated at the right hand of Almighty God. I'm gonna give you my spirit, the same Holy Spirit that lived in me, that empowered me to do the miraculous here, to bring life here. I'm gonna give it to you. Now you can go. And as you pray for the miraculous and for life, do it like this, Matthew 6. But oftentimes when we pray for our own will and our own will only for our own little world, we pray way too small. When Jesus has said, when you believe, you can do the same things. Not to make our name great, not to promote us, but to do his will.
One pastor said it this way, if God answered all my prayers today, would it change my world or would it change the world? And that's how I know where my prayer life is. Would it change my world or the world? How do we pray like Jesus? Family, remember who your father is. Remember how powerful his name is. Pray in faith. God's will is perfect and it's pleasing. Pray for his will first and your second. Pray for forgiveness. Walk in his forgiveness that he bought for you, but give others the same forgiveness. Walk in freedom. God desires for you to walk in freedom from sin and from your spiritual enemy. So this week, as you commit yourself to daily prayer, look for those four themes. And if you're missing one of those, work on ways to add it into your daily prayer time. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. We come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And right now, Lord, as we are committing ourselves to being a church of prayer, a house of prayer, I pray, Lord, that you would work and you would move to honor your word. You said if we pray anything according to your will, that we can expect it to happen. And we don't pray pridefully, Lord. We don't pray to promote our own name. Lord, we just want to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in this church as it is in heaven, in our families as it is in heaven, in our lives as it is in heaven. We ask for your will to be done, God. We thank you for being a loving, heavenly Father who loves us dearly, who draws us close. Would you help us walk in forgiveness, not in guilt or condemnation? Would you help us forgive others? that have wronged us so we can live free from that bitterness and that poison. And Lord, I thank you that we get to walk in freedom, free from sin, free from attacks from the enemy. They may come, but no weapon formed against us will prosper. We have freedom in your name. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.